Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Okay, welcome back to an, another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. Uh, we are in our uh, three investigator formation yet again. And uh, to my right... Uh, Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, uh, played by Lonnie. Currently hot on the trail of dead magazine articles. <laughs> As it happens. Um, at the end of the table... This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund von Tartenberg, the group physician who is currently being the errand boy. <laughs> Everybody's an errand boy eventually. And then to my left. Uh, Tiffany playing Mabel Shea, doing what she does and reading books. Yes. Um, so the three of you uh, collectively have done a little bit of investigating here the day after the death of your friend Jackson Elias. You've all found some interesting information. Some of you have, even some some of you who found the lack of information could eventually be interesting. Later that night, or later that afternoon, I'll say, uh, you reconvene at the Hotel Girard uh, to reassemble. So we'll lift the curtain with the three of you in the uh, common room. You have not seen Mr. Doyle yet, uh, but it looks like he did leave a note. And that note says, continuing to search may have meeting with Eric Carlisle soon. So he left you some sort of progress report. Well, he's doing quite well on his own. Of course, that's no surprise. He is quite, quite capable. Well, and as you think about it for a, a moment, Doctor, he is, this is kind of his thing. Yeah. This is his bread and butter. He's a, he's a, he's an investigator. He's yeah. a, a detective of sorts. So, uh, so, yeah, we'll lift the curtain there, and uh, perhaps you can tell each other what you found. Or not found. Well, I've returned from Emerson Imports, and uh, while I spoke to Mr. Emerson, he gave me the bit of information that we will be looking for Silas and Quain at a place called the Juju House. He said this man gives him the willies, the heebie-jeebies, as it were. And that this was this man was... He bade me not to go investigate and talk to him. So. Well, mm, sounds like something I might be interested in. Indeed. He also said that we should speak to his publisher, that his publisher should know anything about him. If he was writing a book, it would stand that they would know what it was about at the very least. Indeed. That might give us an idea who killed him. Oh, yeah. Um, I found out that uh, that series of murders that they mentioned that happened last year, um, supposedly the case was closed with the arrest of this Adams person. 
his wife has been trying to get people to reopen the investigation, but the captain who's whose ward the bodies keep showing up in is insistent that they got the right guy, but the reporter at the New York Times seems to think that that was more of a setup job than anything. You you would have read in the clips that she had of her articles that one of the links that they show, that the police evidently showed to get Hilton Adams arrested on the charges for those eight murders is that he was near the scene of one of when one of the bodies was found. Right. So tenuous at best. So this is the sort of thing Steve that goes. makes them go after, uh, you know, folks like us who were at the scene of a murder. Right, because they want to hurry up or because they want to cover it up. Here's why they would want to cover it up. These weapons, the way they're dressed, hold, brace yourselves because you heard me talk about this before, the bloody tongue. We return once again to the bloody tongue. Yes. So I'd like to uh, just, just, just a note of clarity on this specific point because it is something that you would both know. I want to make sure that we're clear. During the first season, mm-hmm. when you spoke via phone, with Jackson Elias. I asked him about that. You did. And he was somewhat clear with you that the markings you'd found, the bruising on the women, right. um, was not consistent with what he'd seen. Because you had found information researching the symbol that symbols like it might have looked like the bloody tongue, but he was fairly certain that it wasn't. Right, he was fairly certain it was more maybe uh, linked to the thuggy cult. Right, that it was some sort of... Uh, For some... the blood sacrifice. Right, but he was fairly certain it was not the bloody tongue. And so what you what you found, the symbol, that was carved into his head and subsequently the other bodies, right. obviously, uh, is the symbol that the bloody tongue used. So... Okay, so it was... It was different because this one has more stuff on the inside. Oh, yeah. There's very... And, and this the carving that was done um, that you saw there in room 410, even if you saw it only for a few moments, really maybe more than a minute or so, because you did investigate his body and you yeah. investigated his desk while you before you fled the, fled the scene. Uh, it isn't something that's just hack and slashed in. It is something that takes... That they took time to do. They took time to do that. This was a ritual work. practice. Yeah. Oh yes, so at least it, at least it seems that way yeah. to the occultist in the room. Right. Okay, I just want to make sure that we're we're clear on that point. So that way, when someone says, "Oh, it's the bloody tongue again," well, what you experienced in season one was not the bloody tongue. Right. That was something totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would know that. But it has similar. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But if so, you would, you effect. would know the difference. So basically, I mentioned them again because. When, after I had spoken to Jackson Elias, mm. he was pretty sure that the symbols that we had found before, because this is different, was not the bloody tongue. But this is. is. So though they were similar, they weren't the same. But I think it's funny that I researched them the first time and then I come back around. Mm. Um... The other thing that I found interesting was that, so I could find everything that 
Carlisle was doing before the expedition. Yeah. And then a couple months before he left, radio silence. There's nothing. No. He just stopped appearing in public. He stopped. He, like, all of a sudden seemed to be very private until he announced and made sure it was front-page news that he was going on this expedition. Hmm. So either something happened, something was said, I don't know. Perhaps he fell into a, a group of people, some influence. Something happened, because you don't just, be, you know, be like the city's most, you know, socialite. Yeah, and be seen everywhere and have all this money that you're throwing around and then all of a sudden disappear? I don't think so. Were his parents killed in a... Leaving a movie house? Is that no. It? I doubt it. <laughs> Sorry. Just just, uh, just came out of Deflator Mouse. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, um, yeah, there's that. Um, I do want to check out the Juju House. The Juju House. Apparently run that by Silas and That is not a Quinn. place for a young lady to go unattended. It sounds like. Um, I mean, for the listeners, nobody could hear it, but she rolled her eyes. <laughs> uh, we heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, actually rolled them hard enough with the sound. Uh, it, it picked it up on the mic. Uh, so, uh, Doctor, from what from what the uh, Mr. Emerson said, mm-hmm. it's a, a place that sells African imports. Yeah. So while it might sound like a, keep in mind we're still in the twenties, so there's no hepcats, there's no beatniks. No. Juju is not a thing that's rude. Juju you know. is not a it's not a slang term. No, a, no, this is an actual. If you if you use the term juju, you're making reference to the actual African. Yeah, right. Yep. Which is why I am interested. This is an import. Uh, this seems to be a place that specializes in African African right. wear and African imports. However, this also seems to have some sort of connection African, Egyptian. Yeah. Perhaps this is our next best step, and then the publisher house. I think the publishing house first. Would you like to go to the publishing house? Perhaps we go to different places. Two birds, one Perhaps, star. Perhaps, Doctor, you could go to the publishing house. I will accompany Miss O'Shea. That works for me. Forgive me, but uh, your current condition... I don't understand. Uh, I do understand. I will go to the publishing house and ask them questions. You go to the Juju house. And ask them questions. <laughs> so let's think about this for a second. Um, because you've had a little bit of information, um, doctor, give me a psychology role. Yeah. Especially after hearing Mr. Forsyth's explanation. Uh, that is a nine under my heart of 13 or under my extreme of 13. Okay. Uh, so it's a, that's quite the role. Um, you start thinking about your interactions this morning, early this morning, with Lieutenant Poole. And then you think about what Mr. Forsyth said, and you're kind of starting to collect yourself, and lightning strikes your brain for a moment, and you realize that maybe Lieutenant Poole was being rather uh, rough and direct because not only is he trying to maybe find out who killed Jackson Elias, as is his job, but with all these other murders and this man, Hilton Adams, accused of it, and this Captain Robeson, who's 
tied Hilton to it. Maybe Lieutenant Poole is worried that you that they don't have the right man. He's trying to prevent a, an innocent man from being fried. Quite possibly. And your extreme li- leads you down that path, and then you wonder if maybe there might be a way to potentially exploit that relationship. I mean, Poole probably knows quite a bit, given that he's a detective. Mm. But how to reveal it without revealing our hand, without tipping our hand? Right. Well. You'd have to gain his trust. Not impossible, of course. I call the, uh, I call pool. Okay. Phone rings for a couple of times. You get a switchboard. You hear New York Police Department. Detective Poole, please. Not one moment. You hear a bunch of clicking. <laughs> this is Poole. Detective Poole, this is Dr. Sarktenbach. We spoke this, we spoke this morning at the Gerald. Yes, yes. What can I do for you, Doctor? Well, I'm doing a bit of investigation on my own. Hmm. Uh, I know that it is your occupation, however, it is not sitting very well with me that we lost a friend yesterday. I wouldn't imagine it would. What do you know of a Silas and Quain? Never heard the name. You should look into it. Just a suggestion. Perhaps we can trust one another. Well, perhaps we can, but where did you come by the name? Let's say a little bird told me. A little tweeting bird. Mm. Now, these birds are chattery this time, even in the winter. Can you imagine that? What do you expect? New York weather. Listen, I asked you this morning to be as forthcoming as you can. Uh, Believe me, Mr. Poole, I am being as forthcoming as I can. Give me a persuade roll. (laughs) Eight under ten. Because I have a persuade of ten. (laughs) Wow. Okay. He says... Why don't you meet me at the deli opposite the Gerard in ten minutes? I will see you there. We will share a slice of pie. Wonderful. You hear the phone hang up. I'm going to have a slice of pie with with uh, Constable Poole. Should I come? No. No. Not this time. Perhaps if something this if this goes wrong, and I end up in jail. <laughs> oh. Okay. Why, why would do, that happen? It did not do well for all three of us to be in jail at the same time. True. <laughs> Perhaps, though, you should go to the publisher's house this, instead of the Juju house directly. Okay. Perhaps for now. Okay. And, uh, Mr. Forth, I, you're still planning on... Uh... Um, I'm waiting for the... Uh phone call, sort of. But at the same time, I'm going with her. Right. So, hopefully 
I, I don't know how long it'll be before this woman calls for it. Probably be a day or two. Fair enough. Uh, the two of you hop out and uh, get a cab. Yes. Um, and then head towards the yeah. Juju house. Very. You are. Right. Uh, I want to make sure that you know that I have these objects. Yes, you've you've taken a few weapons with you. Is that what it is? Right, right. They're not weapons, sir. Oh, okay. Weapons are used to attack people. These are purely self-defense items. Oh, okay. Uh, paperweights, yes. belt buckles, the whole yes. way. <laughs> yeah, Chicago paperweight. Yeah, no, we're all about it. You got, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the the three of you wait just for a few moments together on the curb while you get the uh, taxi, and then, uh, Doctor, you head across the way yep. to uh, the diner. Yep. Grab a table before he gets there and sit down for a cup of coffee and a darn fine slice of pie. It's really only probably five minutes before Lieutenant Poole walks in and sits down. I order two coffees and two slices of pie, sure. by the way. So, um, Yeah, though they bring them right to you. The uh, It's not a waitress by any means. It's a, it's a guy in a... And a white shirt with an apron and like a dirty apron and yeah, a paper much, hat. Yeah. Well, not even the paper hat. Ah. Uh, yeah, no, this is come on, we're way back. There's, right, right. There's no paper hat here. Ain't no paper. Um, yeah. Pool sits down across me. Okay. Office pool. So listen, I'm going on a hunch here, but I think I think two things are true. I think you're telling me the truth when you say that you care about what happened to your friend. But I'll tell you this much. I think the whole lot of you are lying about not being there yesterday. You are a very perceptive man, detective. I am quite, quite pleased, or I am quite pleased to see that. (coughs) And I am quite concerned with the fate of my friend. Listen. You are right. This is the ninth killing in two years it's been like this. So I am seeing. There's no apparent connection between any of the victims. They're poor, they're wealthy, they're white, they're black, middle class, from all over the city. And Every a, single one of them had the same mark on their forehead. And a young man's life hangs in, hangs in the balance. Mm. Oh, Adams? Yeah. It's terrible. But... There's a doctor here in town, Lemming, Mordecai Lemming. I had him, I don't know, take a look at that symbol. We were trying to get it figured out, but they said something about an African death cult. I'd never heard it, but he couldn't give me anything else on it. Perhaps I can. I can give you a bit of information as to what to look into. All right. But he's not for free, detective. He sits back a little bit. I just need a little breathing room. Do you understand me? Ah. I think so. I can give you a breathing room as long as we have an understanding. You and your, uh, friends need to not leave any more bodies in the streets. We do our level best. 
<clears throat> believe me. No. I don't want to. I am a doctor. I'm willing to believe it's self-defense. Especially from what I saw inside room 410. But, uh... There was that black sedan. Drove up the street. There was an old lady in a... One of the apartments. She got. She read the plate number and everything. Saw some guy with a red towel wrapped around his head. Yeah. There are multiple, multiple men with red towels wrapped around their head. It is the cult of the bloody tongue. Yeah, the, the tongue cult I've heard about before. Yeah. They come out of Africa. Connected to Jackson Elias through one of his books, much of his research. We are currently investigating why. In a way that... Perhaps you do not have access to. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I <laughs> eight people over two years end up dead. <clears throat> Robeson finds Adams. He's near one of these killings. He picks him up. They pin it everything on him, and then he goes up to Sing Sing, and that's supposed to be all it. Everything was fine. Robeson had no issue. And then last night... Causes the house of gods to collapse. I think so. I think... I think the captain's worried. And that makes me worry. Well, if it comes to pass that his... What is the word? Patting. Patsy. Patsy. That is Patsy. He's not the person who did these killings then. Yeah, he has reason to worry. I just don't understand. A lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of cops do a lot of things to get things solved. But that's just, I can't work like that. I commend you for your honesty and for your moral, for your moral fiber. Well, uh, I heard their, uh, planning a funeral? Yeah. From what I understand. Yeah, it's supposed to be tomorrow. Yeah. We will be there. He was a good friend of ours. Saved my life on more than one occasion. It's hard to say goodbye to a man to do that. That's pretty uh, high praise for somebody who's just writing books. Hmm. The books are the end result, my friend. Well, keep me in the loop. Always. Inspector Poole. It's just Lieutenant. We don't have inspectors like you do. Uh, well, Lieutenant Poole, I will do my best. And remember what I said. Uh, I'm just Lieutenant. If the captain gets involved because of things you do during the investigation you're going to have, goes the results of Indo. Oh, it's going to be real difficult to keep the heat off you. We will stay low to the ground. <clears throat> Poole finishes um, his the slice of pie and the coffee and he says um, I'm going to have to turn in um, here. Uh, I've got a thing tomorrow morning i got to go to. But I'll uh, <clears throat> I look forward to hearing from you again, Doctor. You shall hear from me quite soon, Inspector Poole. <laughs> he gets up and uh, tips his hat to you and then heads out the door. 
I drop two bits on the table, mm-hmm. and uh, I head back over to the hotel and wait for them to come back. Okay. So the two of you head to down, down to the Juju house. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Where are you going? Publisher. Publisher. You're going, going to, to the Prospero house. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Okay. Mm-hmm. You go to Prospero house. So the offices of Prospero house are located on Lexington Avenue near 35th Street. So, if you just drop by, which is what you're doing, yes. um, Prospero House is a flutter with all sorts of activity. Um, because, well, it's a publishing house. Yeah. There's all sorts of things going on here. Uh, at the front desk, a young lady greets you and asks how you how she can help you. Um, I um, was... Good friends with Jackson Elias. Oh. Yeah. I was wondering if you know what his last book was that he was working on. I heard I heard that he came here right before he was supposed to leave town, which he never uh, did. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, we haven't had a whole lot of calls yet, but uh, Jonah's handling everything. Joan. Jonah Kensington. Mm. Can you speak with him? Oh, let me see if he's free. She gets up and um, heads over to an office. She comes out a minute or two later. Oh, yeah, it'll just be a minute. Do you want some coffee or something? Uh, tea, please. Oh, tea. Yeah. Uh, I'll see what I can find for you, okay? Thank you. <clears throat> A couple minutes later, um, the door to the office opens, uh, and then a older man comes out, maybe about 50 or so. So even older than me. (laughs) Yeah, amazingly, right? (laughs) Uh, Short, relatively squat gentleman, balding, framed by uh, uncontrollable curls on the left and the right-hand side. Uh, You see he's got a pair of spectacles on. Uh, and uh, astonishingly enough, his clothes are actually tailored to fit his bulbous frame. So he almost looks like a stuffed shirt. <laughs> uh, and actually, the first thing you notice about him isn't so much just his physical nature. It's actually the quite copious amounts of aftershave he's placed on himself this morning. It greets you before you even get a chance to shake his hand. Awesome. I'm going to stand and extend my hand. Uh, Mabel Shea. He reaches and courteously shakes your hand. Uh, Jonah Kensington, and you are? Uh, Lawrence Forsyth. Ah, Mr. Forsyth. Uh, Please, come into my office. He uh, escorts you back into his uh, reasonably sized office. I'm sorry, we're we're in the middle of a transitioning period with everything going on. There's... moves a couple of uh, what look like large reams of paper, copies that have been printed of something. Transitioning? Yes, it's when uh, we try to get a handle on uh, people's lives. We call it transitioning. It's a little easier here than talking about people passing away. Mm. Yeah, um, I was just curious on um, what 
Mr. Elias was working on before? Well, Elias, he kind of sits back in the chair a little bit. I really can't even believe he's gone. Me either. I was supposed to visit him. I didn't get a chance. He reaches into his desk and uh, pulls up a decanter of something brown. Drink? Please. He pours you a couple of drinks. For him and you, and then uh, if you're interested as well, Mr. Forsyth. Absolutely, I'm interested. (laughs) I know that he was doing some research, as he was wont to do all the time. Well, yes, we had very similar interests in a lot of the research. And I know he doesn't like to talk about his research before he just drops things on you. You know, he has made it a point over the years to just whirlwind himself through my door with whatever crazy story idea or plot or plan or far-flung country that he wants to go to. And I listened to every single one of them because he was a great storyteller. And the people who read his books fervently so enjoyed his storytelling ability. We were with him um, on the trip when he wrote uh, Hungry Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Peru trip. Um, he, didn't, he didn't really talk a whole lot about it after he got back, but uh, I know he spent some time out west um, before he came back. I think he said something about going through Chicago. Yes. That was us, yes. Just bit. He spent our time out west. Yes, that was with us. Yes. <laughs> From what we can gather, but we're not 100% sure, he asked us to aid him in his inquiries on the Carlisle expedition. Hmm. Yeah, the expedition. So did he leave any research or anything here with you? Because I heard he was supposed to be leaving town you got to understand, uh, Jackson wasn't the sort of person that would leave me with research. I mean, he, we corresponded a couple of times. Well, I meant any ideas. Did he come in here and speak to you? An itinerary. Uh... Hang on a second. Maggie? Get me, the, get me the Carlisle file, would you? There's a couple of things he, that might be in there. I mean, he would send me newspaper clippings and stuff like that. Just... And then a couple other things. You see the secretary walks in and she's got a, a small stack of paper with her. Gets in here and he takes this out. He wrote this uh, to me a while back. Dear Jonah, big news. There's possibly, there's a possibility that, oh man, this handwriting's horrible. Sorry. He's a writer. <laughs> um, it's yeah. like being a doctor, only it doesn't make money. And all the members of the Carlisle expedition died. I have a lead. Thought the authorities here. Wow. Okay. Uh, the natives sing a different tune. You wouldn't believe the stories. Where is this at? This one 
This one may make us all rich. From Nairobi, from Kenya, from Nairobi. So he was in Kenya, and then he came back to New York. He was just there in August. You think this business that he got into was uh, has something to do with this? Uh, possibly. I guess it depends how much you believe in some of the things that he's written. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think early on, as a lot of those books are pretty well laid out, Jackson's a bit of a skeptic. I mean, he was a skeptic for quite a while. In fact, I really think I only saw the turn in his work for the past few years. Come to think of it, it was that book after Peru, really where he started to feel like, and write as if they were... Some of this stuff might be real. Peru was... Peru was interesting. There are stranger things in heaven or earth, ratio <laughs> that are dreamt of in the world of man. Yeah. <laughs> Did he ever, when he talked to you, I, I assume he called you regularly? It's been in town the last six months, right? No, to be honest, uh, that note was one of the last things I got from him. I knew that he had come back into town, but I mean, I didn't hear from him until the middle of the last month. It was uh, middle of December. What would what would what did he say? Uh, he wasn't even in town yet. He wired from London. He had gone to London. He was in London for a few days. He dug up a bunch of stuff. He said, "I don't know." He, you got to understand. He would. He started talking crazy. What, what did he talk about? Well, just, I mean, monstrous things. I don't know. Uh, conspiracies, plots, worldwide, uh, unbelievable strangeness. He didn't even sound like himself. He said something about a timetable. He talked about missing pieces. He, he even mentioned he wanted to go to Australia, but he... I pressed him on it, just said that he he would eventually would be in town and we could talk more. He but took, he came back to town and never contacted him. Did he say that he was worried about anybody being after him or? Why don't you make me a persuade roll? Because I'm terrible at persuading people. Like we're oh. talking. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, one. Wow. Look at that. Hi, hi, hi. Because I actually have Persuade. Look at hi, that hi. beautiful O1. Very nice. Right? Very nice. Uh, okay. He digs a little deeper into the file. And he produces this. Another exquisite piece by... The H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. Yes, this is, this is uh, beautiful. Um, it is a letter from the stationery of the Hotel Metropole in Richard's Place, London. Okay. Uh, dated December 16th. So, what? Um, what six months ago. Yep, in 24. Uh, no. Yeah. 
This is nineteen. This is June nineteen twenty-five. This this you're currently January, so this is the middle of this is about a month ago. Actually, a month ago to the day. Oh, oh, January. I'm sorry, I can't read my own writing. It's only a month ago. So it's only a month ago he was in London. Was that Uh, December nineteenth? You said December sixteenth. Many names, many faces, but all the same, and towards one end, like a collection of masks. What face is the real one? Is there a real one? What's underneath? Need help. Contact everyone in New York. They're everywhere. More people on our side. We're no cops, though. They've got men on the inside. They're on the inside everywhere I've been. Military, probably same thing. So much power at stake. Lurking inside like a cancer. The librarian always has the answer if they don't gutter like a fish. Too big, too ghastly. These dreams... Like Carlyle's? He's gotten inside my head. In my head. Any head. Head. Crazy. Crazy is circled. Call Head Shrinker and check that psychoanalyst's files. What if we're the same? Am I becoming him? Can't be. All of them survived. They'll open the gate. Why? What's in it for them? Do they think they're doing something else? The great deceiver, the power and the danger is real. Who is really evil here? All of them. Some of them. Pawns. Who's the grandmaster? Pawn sacrifice is safest move. Direct attack against the Black King would be insane. Ha, as if that would stop and then there's something scratched out. Whomever. Impossible to play to a draw. Um, there's, uh... What well, looks almost like a like a giant tic tac toe square with a bunch of symbols on it. Uh, many threads beginning unraveled. The books are in Carlyle's safe. Did he use them? He must have known. Coming for me. Will the ocean protect? Fat chance they're at work everywhere I've been. Surely they're in New York too. Immigrants, Chinatown, Harlem. Rouse out to get me and bury their secret. Need allies, endangering everyone. Ha ha, no quitters now. Far too late for that. Should have quit long ago. Fool's crusade. Shine a light into the dark. Must tell and make readers believe. Should I scream for them? Let's scream together. He's gone mad. As you can tell, it yeah. was my perception of it as well. It, yes, he's the the writing gets shakier as he goes on the page. The lines become less straight. Before that, he had he had sent me a, a submission summary. If every author that we have here that works for Prospera House submits a a summary, now you don't have to go through the whole thing, right? So he went and he, and he, and he um, notes regarding African death cults, um, and the notes were uh, several pages of document meetings with various officials. Then yeah. there was a description of his journey to the site of the Carlisle Massacre. Um, there are a bunch of pages uh, meeting with someone named John Stone Kenyatta, who evidently is a Kenyan nationalist. 
um, claiming that the Carlisle murders may have been carried out by the bloody tongue. So, I guess... You all are aware of the funeral, right? Yes, tomorrow. Good. You'll be there? Yes. Yes. Okay. He's the reason I'm still here. What we went through in Peru, he actually sandwiched me in the hospital. Hmm. After Peru, made sure I made it home safe. Well, listen, I I have a bunch of stuff to do before the funeral. Remember, it's 2 o'clock. Uh, Cypress Hill Cemetery, Brooklyn. Well, thank you for all your help. You're welcome. I'm sure we'll talk soon. <laughs> Maggie uh, escorts you guys out. Hmm. My dear, look at this. I'm trying to figure out what he scratched out. It looks like name of the face. I can't tell. Something he saw made yes. him something underneath. Where are the two of you going? Do we want to go to this juju house now? Uh, well, let's meet up with the doctor first. Yes, let's go back and talk to the doctor. I, I think there's a lot here. All right. You take a taxi, head back to the Hotel Gerard, and you enter the uh, the uh, temporary you know, lodgings, and the doctor is uh, there. Having a cup of tea. Doctor, your shoulder's <laughs> feeling a lot better. Thunderbar. <clears throat> ah, welcome back. Exciting, Doctor. Um, not so much exciting as whatever this thing was that Jackson was investigating had driven him mad. Mm, this is disturbing. Look. This is from him? Yes. Evidently, he was in Kenya and London tracing the Carlisle massacre before he came back to New York. Claimed that people were after him. Claimed that they were everywhere, including um, the police and the military. It does look like quite distressed handwriting. I don't understand what he saw in all of those documents or in his investigations that made him think that there's some sort of conspiracy. I don't understand. If whatever it was was enough to drive Mr. Elias to the brink of madness, we had better be careful. Well, it does seem like he did come across the bloody tongue while he was there investigating the Carlisle expedition. And perhaps once he came across them, he could not shake them. And they followed him back here. I guess so. He mentioned in this letter that, uh, he was hoping that the ocean would save him. He also seems to think that they are everywhere. 
Yes. In which case, the ocean would not save him. But there's people that he names in here that we don't know the names of. He says the librarian always has the answer if they don't gutter like a fish. Who is the librarian? He says, call Head Shrinker and check that psychoanalyst's office. What psychoanalyst? Wait. He also says that we should look into the the mm. Cairo portion of the Carlisle Expedition's itinerary. Said so that Carlisle has the books in his office, in his, in his safe. safe. In his safe. I want to know what kind of books. Maybe we should let Doyle know that when he talks to Eric Carlisle, maybe he can get access to the safe. And we can find out what those books are. Perhaps. That would be up to Mr. Doyle. And his persuasive charms. Other than that, this thing is getting rapidly far flung, out of control. We are just not seeing enough of the picture yet. Uh, he said that he wanted to go to Australia next. Well, here's the thing: is if this cult followed him, and. Believing in the things that he believes in, or the things that he's seen, that we've seen, he would probably get a little paranoid, especially coming across them here. So. Understandable, I guess, but. Huh. Hmm. Yes, my dear. Um, he, there's a mention here that, um. So this is an interview, um, but uh, Elias was struck by the fact that the bodies were remarkably undecayed for the length of time they must have lain in the open. Talking about the, the mm. expedition. Almost as if the decay itself wouldn't come near the place. Mm. Victims had been torn apart as if by animals. When pressed as to what kind of animals systematically pull apart their prey... This is the person he was interviewing. Selkirk could offer no conjecture. Unimaginable, inexplicable. This is not the way of animals. Animals do not generally do that. Yeah. No. Animals are not cruel. No, I mean, they're eating for food. Yeah. If you are looking for something that would pull its prey apart like that, then you are looking for a man. Or something with the sensibilities of a madman. Lieutenant Poole is going to give us a little bit of breathing room, I do believe. But we need to keep him up to date on what we are finding. He wants us to... He, I think, deep down, wants to find the real killer here. Well, if I can talk to the Adams with uh, Adams's wife, I don't think we'd get in to talk to Adams. He's in Sing Sing. But if we talk to Adams' wife, maybe she knows something. I think this is a viable plan. And there's supposedly a connection of some kind of all of these people. But what connection could there be? Location. <sighs> well, um, I mean, both of you. You having talked to the police officer mm -hmm. and you having done gotten a hold of the scrapbook would know that um, the only connection really was that they were in Harlem. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
uh, race does not matter, ethnicity, creed, age, they wealth. All, they all share the unfortunate play the unfortunate trait of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um somebody uh said that they saw Jack Brady, who was part of the main expedition, alive in Hong Kong around nineteen twenty two. This is Nails Nelson. Um so he believes Elias believed that the the principal members of the expedition are still alive. Here, I'll let you read all of this, but it was very interesting. That's his breakdown of the book. It sounded like yeah, the things that you like an outline, outline kind of. Well. So I don't know how much we're going to be willing to share with Mr. Poole because some of this stuff Obviously. isn't going to be believed. Right. Only us who have seen the insanity are going to believe it. And I'm not about to drag Poole with us just to show him some... Madam, even I don't believe it. And I've seen it. <sighs> Well, I think that's as good a place to any to wrap tonight's episode. Uh, we collectively would like to thank you for listening and sharing and following along with our story. The investigators, the next time we join us, have a funeral to go to. Indeed. Yay. So we will see you next week for another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. And uh, have a good night. Mm-hmm.